Hello and welcome to the Soulful Self Podcast. I'm your host, Chelsea Cora. This podcast is a resource for all spiritual beings to grow personally, heal emotionally, and align with our highest spiritual involvement, no matter what this human experience throws our way. Thank you so much for being here. Now let's get started. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Soulful Self Podcast. I am your host, Chelsea Cora, and I'm very excited to be here with all of you today. Today's episode, entitled The Myth of Normal, is inspired by a book of the same name, The Myth of Normal by Gabor Mate. It's something that I have been listening to recently on Audible and has been very inspiring for a number of reasons. So this is kind of what we're going to get into on the show today. And I'm going to start by talking a little bit about Gabor Mate, the author of the book, and the book itself. So Gabor Mate is a renowned physician, speaker, and author. He's been in the medical industry for many decades, and he is known for linking the gap between a lot of the physiological ailments and diseases that we experience with the the unhealed trauma from our early childhood experiences. There's a huge gap in Western medicine when it comes to understanding the underlying causes of certain diseases or mental illnesses and seeing that they are related to whatever unprocessed emotional experiences we have from childhood. So in this book, he talks exactly that, how so many of the chronic diseases, the mental health issues of our world are not rooted necessarily in our physiology or in the pathogens of the environment, but rather rooted in our culture, rooted in our habitual ways of living and thinking and moving through the world, our ways of relating to one another that are actually quite toxic, yet are classically considered quote-unquote normal by societal standards. And he specifically discusses how so many of the issues that we face as a society and as individuals are rooted in the collective denial of the impact that our early childhood experiences have on us. He also talks about how behaviors that we often classify in our society as quote-unquote abnormal, such as addiction, depression, anxiety, or other mental health issues, are actually a completely understandable response to how some people have experienced trauma in their lives. And it's interesting the way that Gabor Mate describes trauma because he talks about it as something that happens within us. It's a psychological wound. It's like a lasting injury on our psyche. However, it isn't the event itself. So, you know, if somebody had a major life event, like one of their parents abandoned the family, then you might say that it was very traumatic that the parent abandoned the family. But the trauma is what's going on within the child, how the child is experiencing what is happening in the outside world. So it's not the event itself, but rather it is the experience that is happening within the person. So a trauma is not an event. It is the result of 
what happens to somebody as a result of the event. And he uses his own story as an example, which is a very powerful story. Gabor Mate was born in 1944 in Budapest, Hungary, which was a time when the Nazis were essentially taking over Europe and spreading their anti-Semitism and genocide against Jewish people. And his family was Jewish, so they were being persecuted. And the year that he was born, by the time he was two months old, I think, his grandparents had been burned alive in Auschwitz, the concentration camp. And his mother was living a very distressed life because she was trying to figure out how how am I and how is my family going to stay alive? How am I going to care for my baby? And at one point, She actually gave Gabor Mate to a total stranger so that the stranger could take care of him while she was in hiding or trying to run away from this persecution that was happening because this was a time when the Nazi army was invading Budapest. So she ended up coming back for him like six weeks later. But this, all of this commotion to say the least, that was going on outside of him as a baby was very, very traumatic, obviously, because as an infant, he was experiencing and internalizing all of these emotions that his mother was experiencing at the time. And this is very common for us because as babies, we have a tendency to absorb the emotional states of our mother or our caretakers. And he even talks about how whenever she was sad and upset or depressed, how as a baby, he kind of, it kind of developed this unworthiness wound that he felt on some level that she was sad or upset because of him. And this is all subconscious, right? Because as babies, our brains are nowhere near fully developed and we're just kind of taking in everything around everything that goes on in the world around us subconsciously or unconsciously. And these are when our core wounds start to get developed. And aside from this, obviously, there was a huge abandonment trauma that took place when she handed her baby off to a total stranger. Even though she was doing it out of pure love and she was doing it to save his life and it seemed like it did save his life, the baby had no other way but to experience it as abandonment. So again, the traumas that happen in our lives are not the events themselves, but how we experience the events in our internal worlds. And he uses this example in a lot of different instances in his life because, you know, he goes on to become a physician and have all of these achievements in life. But he talks about how in his adulthood, his home life was riddled by the reverberating effects of certain traumas, namely this one that he experienced in childhood. And an example that he gives about being triggered in adulthood was him being on a plane. He was actually 70 years old and he had just come from a very successful speaking event and his plane was landing in his hometown in Canada where he lives. And he gets a text from his wife that says, hey, I haven't left my house yet. Do you still want me to come? Or do you think it would be more convenient to take a cab or something like that? 
And he feels very triggered by this situation because he feels like, why didn't my wife leave her house? She should already be at the airport. She doesn't care about me. Probably all of these stories are running in his head. Now, anytime that we experience a trigger, it represents a time when our emotional reaction to a situation is much larger than what the situation itself actually warrants. So the fact that he was having this huge emotional reaction to what she said or did means that he was being triggered, that there's actually something deeper, that that trigger is pointing him to a deeper psychological wound within him. And he proceeds to talk about in this example how he says, no, forget it. He texts back and says, don't, don't worry about it. And he ends up taking a cab home to where he lives. And when he gets there, he gives his wife the silent treatment. Whenever she tries to talk to him, he answers in very short words or sentences. And it goes on for some time until they're able to resolve the issue. And how many of us have had an experience like this? I know in my relationships, I have had so many where something triggers me and my mind makes it a way bigger deal than it actually is. And when I actually sit down with myself and what's going on, I can understand that actually this is linked to something that happened in childhood. It's a piece of me that is fragmented, that is stuck in that trauma that happened years ago, that is crying out for me to come back for it, to integrate it. That's what a trigger essentially is. It's a cry for help from our deeper wounded parts. And so in the case of Gabor Mate, he's having this experience because his abandonment trauma was triggered. And more likely than not, it had to do with this time when he was experiencing these abandonment wounds during the Holocaust period in Europe. Now, this is a very extreme example, but it can be applied to so many of our very unique individual lives because it doesn't matter what happened in our upbringing, if we had an experience where our internal world somehow interpreted whatever happened as abandonment, as somebody not valuing me, as having my emotions or feelings dismissed, or as me not mattering in the world, then they leave an imprint, they leave a wound on our psyche, and it can impair the ways that we relate to ourselves and one another in adulthood. And so this really is the myth of normal. Because we live in a culture that has yet to really develop into its full emotional maturity, because we live in a culture that doesn't really understand our own emotions, that habitually does things to numb out and avoid feeling our feelings rather than just being with our feelings, then we are living on this perpetual cycle of trauma looping. We are passing these things down to our children. These generational traumas have been passed down to us from our parents because very few people in our society know how to actually deal with emotions, know how to be present with their own negative emotions, know how to be present with the negative emotions of another person, namely their children. And so 
What I'm saying is that if and when we are able to be with an emotional experience unconditionally is when we will stop creating these wounds on ourselves and our children and on all of the generations that are coming after us because we will understand more deeply what kind of behaviors actually cause wounds rather than mistaking these behaviors for normal. And my own upbringing is a perfect example because I did grow up in a two-parent household. I grew up in a relatively wealthy family experience where I had all of my material needs met Yet, I still experienced within my own internal world lots of psychic wounding along the way. Psychic wounding that resulted in quite a bit of dysfunction in my own personal adult life. Dysfunction such as having a lot of emotional instability, struggling with addiction and alcoholism, having toxic relationship patterns over and over again, and making choices in my career and my lifestyle that significantly devalued my own sense of self and well-being. And when you look at my life from the outside, we might think, okay, she had a very normal upbringing. She had a better than normal upbringing because she had access to all of these resources, because she grew up in a two-parent household, because of all of these things that we want to check off on our box of what is normal. However, I still ended up having very deep emotional, mental issues in my life that impaired my ability to have healthy relationships with myself and with others. And this is something that came up for me very recently because on one of my YouTube videos, I got a negative comment from somebody. And the comment said something like, and it's an explicit comment, okay? The wording is explicit, but it said, fuck you, perfect girl. You had the love of your parents and their full support your entire life. And so I, at first, you know, didn't feel great to read something like that on one of my videos because the reason why I make these podcasts or these videos is to really share from a place of vulnerability and be able to help other people on their journey. However, I immediately understood that this person was experiencing some kind of pain themselves, you know, pain and separation, because I really believe in the principle that only hurt people hurt other people. So in order to say something that is mean like that, they must have some core wound within them. They must be being triggered themselves. And so, you know, I my reply to them was very diplomatic and gentle because I have compassion for whatever they're going through. And I explained that, you know, yes, it's true. I definitely had a lot of very much so a lot of love and support from my parents when I was younger and throughout my whole life. And I'm very, very grateful for that. However, what was also present during my quote unquote normal upbringing were a lot of behaviors that even though we consider them normal are very damaging. You know, like in my family, there was alcoholism present. There was codependency. There was a lot of shame around topics like sex 
and so forth. So there were dynamics going on within the family that caused me to have an internal experience of trauma, of unprocessed emotional experiences, of these core wounds and imprints that equated my self-worth to a very low level that caused me to have all of these negative experiences in adulthood. So while I did have, you know, what is considered to be an above average upbringing, I still incurred these wounds. And the point is that nobody's story should be dismissed or overlooked because of certain resources that they had access to, because everybody experiences trauma and psychic wounding differently, and everybody's experience is valuable and valid. And comparison is not helpful when it comes to understanding trauma and the effects that it has on our lives. And also, you know, I said to this individual who left the comment that maybe the reason why you're leaving this comment is because love and support from parents is something that was absent in your experience, you know, but it doesn't make it that you're fundamentally different from somebody who did have those things in their upbringing. At the core level, I really do believe that we are all souls. We are all spiritual beings having a human experience and that our soul chose, made the choice to come into this physical life, to have all of the experiences that we're having, no matter what that looks like, no matter which specific cards you were dealt in your life, that on some soul level, you chose to be here with those cards in your hands in order to gain the immense expansion that comes through having those experiences. And that no matter who you are and no matter what life circumstances you have had, healing and transformation is possible. It's possible to heal from whatever trauma you may have experienced, whatever psychic wounding there may have been in your life, whether your life was one major capital T trauma after another, or whether your life was like mine, where you could look back on it and find it very difficult to understand why you are experiencing the dysfunctional adulthood that you might be experiencing because your life seemed to be so quote unquote normal. You know, no, no matter what the details of your story are, you are worthy and deserving of healing and it is possible for you. That is what I wholeheartedly believe and that is the mission that I am committed to spreading in this life, both as an intuitive healer with having one-on-one clients where I guide people through their own healing, whatever that looks like for them, and as a speaker and podcaster. And so the message that I'm really sharing today is an invitation to question, what have you been programmed to understand as quote-unquote normal, and what is actually not that normal or shouldn't be that normal, because normal is just a subjective standpoint. Really, we get to decide what is normal and what is not normal, so why wouldn't we choose to normalize 
things that are actually healthy and things that are actually in our highest spiritual, emotional, physical well-being. You know, when I think about the myth of normal, I think about so many societal constructs that we are living by that are so damaging. Another one of them is this idea that it is weak to have emotions. This one is so prevalent in our culture, especially in toxic male culture, right? Where a man is not a man if he is seen crying or if he is experiencing any type of vulnerability or weakness. This right here is the biggest myth or rather lie of our time. Maybe not the biggest, but definitely a very big one which is that strong men absolutely do cry and show emotions and have their feelings because that is part of being a balanced human being. And, you know, I once heard our emotions described as the language of the superconscious because they connect us to the unseen realms, because they are our internal guidance system, they are our messengers, and they really do attribute to our abilities to be more psychically aware, more empathetically and spiritually attuned because these emotions are energy in motion. They are a way for us to communicate to the realm of energy. And I'm always talking about how everything in our reality is energy. You know, I remember when I was working as an exotic dancer, which is a profession I had for four years. And in this industry, it was very common for people to not want to show emotion. And it was even very necessary for women who work as these roles, as exotic dancers, as strippers, to just be totally detached from their emotions, to even use substances like alcohol or marijuana or other things to numb their emotions. Because most of the time, their emotions are screaming out to them that, uh, actually, I don't want to be doing this work, that I'm feeling not good, you know, allowing these men to have dances from me and to touch my body. Maybe deep down, I'm actually not okay with that, even though I'm plastering on these stories that it it is okay, that it's worth it because I'm making so much money, etc. This was the case with me. And when I started to do my healing work, when I started to heal my own childhood wounding, when I started to unpack, uncover, and integrate all of my shadow parts, all of my unprocessed emotional experiences, a natural side effect of doing our inner work means we start to gain access to our emotions. And we can't ignore them anymore. We can't suppress them anymore because that is the essence of self-abandonment. And we're not doing that anymore. And so I started to become a lot more emotionally sensitive because I was having access to my emotions. And so I would go into work and things would happen that are really just everyday things, you know, guys being mean or rude or having a boundary violated and having to stand up for myself or do something about it. And all of a sudden I was having these emotional reactions, whereas before I was very numbed out. Now I would actually cry when something crazy happened at work, when something made me feel not safe or violated. I would have these emotional reactions and, you know, I noticed like other people would see me and they would think, oh, wow, what's wrong with her? Or she's such a baby or she's so innocent and naive, which is funny because... 
I was not innocent and naive, quote unquote, because I had come out of this whole saga of, you know, being the one who always got in trouble at the strip club because I was doing sex work in the back room or because something else, you know, getting into it with a customer or another dancer being aggressive, that sort of thing. But I had done this complete 180 because I went on this journey of sobriety and then healing my trauma that I just totally transformed as a person. And now I was that girl who was so sensitive and, you know, delicate or something. And even though there's a stigma around being that way in that culture and in a lot of other areas of our culture, I started to wear it as a badge of honor. I started to feel proud that I could access my own emotions because I knew how powerful it was And being more spiritually advanced, being attuned to the realm of energy was something that I deeply desired for myself. And so the fact that I was starting to feel things was actually really good. I mean, it wasn't always easy, but I was embracing it. And I think that this can be something that we can all do is to really embrace our emotions, whether we are men in a culture of male toxicity or women in a culture of feminine toxicity or anywhere in between just owning our emotions and embracing them and accepting them and honoring them and listening to them and resting when we need to taking time off work when we need to you know canceling on plans when we're not actually feeling emotionally up to it when we're feeling overwhelmed normalizing these things in our culture rather than so many of the unhealthy dynamics that are currently present. And so my invitation for you as a listener or viewer of this podcast is to move throughout your day or your week or your month to think about what are things in this culture that are normalized that my own inner being knows is not okay. And how can I, even just for myself in my own life, take a stand to normalize things that are nurturing to my spirit, things that represent a healthy way of relating to myself and to nature and to other people and to animals, and just taking the smallest step to act on those things, even if it goes against what the culture has decided is normal or is cool or is acceptable or is desirable. So take from this episode what you will. I highly recommend checking out Gabor Mate and either listening to this book or reading it, or there's so many different podcasts and videos that he's been interviewed on where he talks about all of this stuff on a much deeper level. And I'm actually going to link to one of those videos that I really like. So y'all can check that out if you want to. But other than that, I want to thank you all so much for tuning in to another episode of the Soulful Self Podcast, and I will so look forward to talking to y'all again in two weeks. Have a beautiful day. Mm-hmm.